You know, uh, the last couple of weeks I've been doing a series, and really it's on relationships, but we called it the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, uh, and you'll understand if you haven't caught it so far, you'll understand why we say that here in a few moments. But uh, we've been really been talking about just our relationships, not necessarily, uh, you know, spouses, although it plays into that, but just our relationships with people in general. That's fear of life, if you will. Uh, this year you're going to encounter somewhere between 500 and 2,500 people. Well, that's a lot of opportunities for things to go wrong, right? And, uh, you know, and sometimes we need wisdom. And, uh, you know, and so uh, the Lord kind of stirred this up in my heart here about a month ago or a month and a half ago or so, I guess. And, uh, and I really felt impressed to do it here at the first of the year, kind of in, uh, you know, I thought I was going to end it in February, but I didn't think about our EXO weekend and all those type of things. So here we are in March and I'm going to wrap it up. But, um, you know, and really my heart, though, for this series is it's two, twofold. Uh, number one is I want you to be wise people. Amen. Wise people have safe lives. And I want you to be safe. Um, you know, it, and so, uh, you know, but there's also areas, and I've said this every week, is that not everybody's wise in every area of our life. Not everybody's foolish in every area of our life. And, uh, you know, not all of us are evil. Not, you know, I mean, it's not that there are, there's, I'll say it this way, there's no such thing as wise people, foolish people, and evil people. We all have elements of all three of these in our life. And just because you may be wise in one area of your life doesn't mean that you can't be foolish in another. Uh, I would argue quite the opposite. Is that I think we all have strengths. We all have things that we're naturally geared towards. But then there's also areas that we need to grow in. And so that's kind of one side of what I've been teaching. But the other side is, is that because we have these 500 to 2,500 plus interactions in a year... We're going to meet some people who are wise. We're going to meet some people who are foolish. And we're going to meet some people that are just evil. And, uh, you know, as far as in maybe the intent. And so you need to know how to handle different relationships. And maybe there's uh, some of the, really, the, the content of this really comes out of a book called Necessary Endings. It's by a guy named Dr. Henry Cloud. He's a Christian psychologist um, or psychiatrist, one of those. I don't know. He's a doctor. How about that? He's really, really smart. And, um, but he had a chapter in the book, chapter 7 of the book, actually talks about the wise, the foolish, and the evil. And so some of what I've been sharing with you kind of initiated from my reading that book a number of years ago. And, um, you know, but there are times in our life where we need to bring an ending to certain things. And, uh, you know, and sometimes those are relationships and they're very hard. Um, you know, and I've shared with you that there's been times that the Lord has really uh, either spoken or really stirred in me that I needed to distance myself in relationships. And, you know, if you're not careful, um, maybe who you know and who you're comfortable with will act like an anchor that holds you where you are when God wants you to move somewhere different. And, uh, and so there are times where you've got to separate and to move towards uh, what God has for you. And that may mean moving away from some people and moving towards other people. It may mean just limiting or, you know, I, I shared last week about foolish people. And, uh, you know, and the thing is, is that uh, with foolish people, they'll take advantage of you if you let them. And they're not going to change. They just want you to keep fixing it for them. And, uh, and that's just the truth. I mean, you know, and the only way that they're going to change is when they feel the pain of their choices. It's called consequences. Um, you know, and so there are some things along those lines. And so I've been sharing with you is that every time that God wants to bless you, he's going to bring a person into your life. Anytime the devil wants to harm you or be dis- bring about destruction in your life, it's probably going to come through a person. Um, you know, and, and so we've been looking at this over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, <coughs> excuse me. So let me just remind you, 
We are not fighting against people. People are not our enemy, but God uses people and the enemy, the devil, uses people. And so we're not trying to fight against people, but we do need to be wise in how we interact with people. Is that we love everybody, but we don't trust everybody equally. We just don't. I mean, that's foolish. You know, that's naive. And so we've been looking at this over these last couple of weeks. And so, you know, there's, and I've shared this every week and I'll share it again this morning, is that there's three ways to approach people. Number one is being naive. It's just, hey, I believe the best in everybody and that's what the Bible says. I'm supposed to believe the best. In yeah, you are supposed to believe the best, but also you can judge the fruit of their life. Just because I love you doesn't mean I have to wholly accept you or give you all access into my life. I mean, I know you love me, but you're not going to give me the numbers of your bank account, right? Why? Because there are some areas that are reserved for certain people. Dara has full access to my finances. There's nothing that I have financially she couldn't have access to. Why? But she's my wife. In other words, I have, we have a certain relationship that, that solidifies that. But there are also other relationships that maybe people just don't want to move forward. In their life and really move towards what God has for them. I mean, how many of you can remember when you got saved, you had to change some friends? Amen. I guess I'm the only one. I must have had really bad friends, I guess. But when, when we got saved, what happened? We realized, I can't keep hanging out with you. I can't keep doing the same things. I can't keep going to the same places. I can't keep, you know, whatever it may be. Why? Because something had changed in me, but I knew for that change to last, I had to make some changes. Well, those things can still go on today. You know, you may be in a certain place, and even in it, from a spiritual standpoint, the Lord may be stirring in you, and, and you have Christian friends, Christians, but they're not really serious about walking towards what God has for them, and you have a desire to grow. Well, if you're going to grow, you may have to separate even from your Christian friends. Now, I'm not saying that from the standpoint of that we're elite I'm not saying that from the place of that, you know, in any way that we're better, but we, you have to realize people can hold you back if we allow them to. It doesn't mean that we don't love them. I had to walk away from friends nearly 20 years ago. I still pray for them. I still love them. If they called me tomorrow, I would be there for them. It's, it has nothing to do with my heart towards them. It has to do with their influence in my life and realizing that it was not going to bring about what God wanted in my life. And so, but, so anyhow, let me get back to where I was at. So we don't want to be naive. We don't want to be just overly trusting. Uh, you can end up getting hurt that way. And so another way, which is the polar opposite, is to be this, is to be paranoid and suspicious. You just don't trust anybody. You're like a doomsday person. You know, you got your bunker. You got your ammo. You got your food. You know, I remember when Y2K come, we had a little closet area that we had stored up a bunch of canned foods and guns, you know, and because uh, everybody's like, the world's going to come to an end, you know, and uh, it was just kind of funny. And I was actually dating a girl at the time, and they had like a safe room, which was kind of crazy with guns and food. And I'm like, so they're going to come in and shoot you with your gun and steal your food. Like, that's what's, what's going to happen. But... We can be that way. Yeah. You know, we can just say, well, I'm just... Be, and especially if you've gotten hurt because you were naive and you've trusted somebody. Or maybe you trusted the right person and they hurt you. So now you become suspicious. You become very guarded in those relationships. Well, here's the problem with that. What if God is trying to send you somebody to bless you, but because you're so paranoid about them hurting you that you refuse the blessing? What if God has sent somebody into your life to bring healing into your life and because you're paranoid and suspicious and hurt, 
You push them away. Now you're refusing healing. Because I mean, I understand scripturally. God is the healer, but many times God uses people. It is his method. And so if we get to a place where now we're resistant to even the people that God wants to send into our life, what we're really saying is, God, I don't want you. So we have to be careful. And so there is a place in the middle, and this is my heart for you, is that I want you to be discerning. Discerning. I want you to, I'll say it this way, I want you to qualify the relationships you have. Okay. I'm not paranoid at you, but I'm also not completely naive. So I'm going to figure out what, where do you need to be at in my life and how much access and how much influence do I need to give you? You know, and, and so the word discerning, I've shared this every week, means to test, to examine, to prove, or to scrutinize to see whether a thing or someone is genuine or not. So you're putting it to the test. Are you really who you say you are? Are you a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing? Because I need to know. I need to know your intentions. I need to know more than just what you say. I really need to know your intentions for me. And so, um, you know, and so we, I want you to be discerning. Because that's important because there will be people in your life that... Everything looks good, but you get a little check in your heart. Well, that's discernment. That's the Holy Spirit trying to warn you. Like a little warning bell goes off and be like, you better be careful. But then there may be other times where somebody looks like a complete nut job. And the, but on the inside of you, they're like, I feel like I'm supposed to help them. I mean, I've had God do that with complete strangers with me. Which is weird. I'm like, I don't know this person from anybody. But I just... And I'm very normal about it. I'm not weird about it. But, but there have been times that the Lord used me to help people in a moment just because I was willing. But in the natural, it's like, well, that'd be a lot easier just to pay for my gas and keep walking than to actually start up a conversation with that girl or that guy or whatever it may be. You know, and, and so even in that, we can actually, especially if we've been hurt, we can actually limit God's ability to work through us to help other people because we're so suspicious. So it's not just a one-way street. It goes both ways. And so I want you to be discerning about these relationships. You know, I mean, I, I use this as an example one week. Is you wouldn't just marry somebody the first time you met them. Why? Because you're like, I need to know if you're crazy. I'm not going to live with crazy. So I'm going to make sure that you're not crazy before I marry you. Right? That's discerning. Do you pass the test? Like, you know, if you're a young lady... Will you go sit down with my dad? If the answer is no, then that's probably not a guy you want to marry. Just be honest with you. If that's something that matters to you, it ought to matter to him. And if he says no, he's not the kind of guy. Because guess what? What matters to you later is not going to matter to him then either. And then you're going to be miserable as a married person. It doesn't change just because you get married, right? Well, so even in that situation, you're going to be discerning. You're going to figure out... Are you somebody I really enjoy being with? Or are you somebody I tolerate? You don't want to marry somebody you tolerate. Because it's not going to get better. Right? So we want to be discerning about this. And so the question is this. Is that who deserves my trust? When it comes to relationships. You know. And so. You know. And like I said. There are two sides to this. There's a personal application side. Which is. I want to walk in wisdom. I don't want to be foolish. Because foolish means I still get hurt. Even though I didn't intend that. 
Um, but I also definitely don't want to partner with the devil either. And I don't want to be a weapon in his hand. You know, and so, but I also, and, and I don't want other people to be a weapon against me either. And so how can I minimize the influence of the enemy in my life? And so uh, we've been looking over this over the last few weeks. And so, you know, even uh, just make a statement here, but, it, and this is just true, is that every relationship is either adding to your life or it's taking away from it. Very few are actually neutral. Very, very, very few relationships are neutral. They're either adding or they're taking away. And so, uh, scripturally, there are three types of, of people that we see. A lot of this comes from uh, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. And, uh, and really, I would say it this way, is that Proverbs is wisdom to live on earth. It really is. It's how to deal with people. It's how to deal with your family. It's how to deal with circumstances. It, it's the wisdom of God about how to live successfully in this earth. You know, and so uh, it talks about that there are wise, there are foolish, and there are evil people. And so, you know, you can deny that there are evil people all day long. It doesn't change their existence. Just because you say there is no devil doesn't mean there's not. Just because somebody says there is no God doesn't mean that there's not. Uh, You know, so it's not one of those, well, if I just don't believe it, you know, it's just not going to happen. I mean, go get on the internet a little bit and go see some of the things happening around the world. Things that are happening in our nation and tell me that evil does not exist. Evil exists. There's no doubt about it. You know, and as believers, as Christ followers, we have a target on us. Why? Because we're everything that Satan wanted to be. I know that's a big theological statement. I'm not going to teach on that, but that's the truth. We are sitting in the very place that Satan wanted to sit, which is the reason he got thrown out of heaven to begin with. So, you know, but there is this, and so that there is evil. There's evil in the world. And Satan is just looking for someone that he can use like a puppet he, he, to bring about whatever he wants. And so we see this, and so don't be in denial about this. Now, wise people, I believe, live by the power of the Holy Spirit. They live led, motivated, directed by the Holy Spirit. A foolish person just lives by their desires, by their flesh. Just whatever sounds good in the moment, that sounds good to me. And that's foolishness, though. You know, just recently, I, added a, I have a budget form on my computer where I check off to make sure I paid all my bills. And, uh, you know, it's pretty basic, but I just that way I don't forget something. And I have scriptures at the top of it. Just things that I read every time before I, you know, go in and start paying bills or whatever. But I added one this week, partly because of this study, actually, um, in week one where it says um, the wise person. But one of the things it says is that a fool spends all the money he gets. A wise person will save it. That's a new one on top of my budget form. Why? Because now every time before I go start spending money, guess what? I'm going to read a scripture that says a fool spends every dime he gets. I don't want to be a fool. Right? So, you know, I mean, there are some things like this. And so, you know, but so we have wisdom from the word of God, but there are evil people. There are people that do not have your best interest in mind. Uh, and, and it may just be that they're just extremely selfish. You know, that's one of the markers of the last days. It said that it would be, the message translation says it this way. It actually comes out of Second Timothy, but it talks about that it would be dog eat dog. People trying to climb a ladder, stepping on one another to advance. Well, that's evil. 
It is. I mean, that's, that's selfishness. It's greed. And we see it. It's rampant in our culture. Is that people will do anything to get another step ahead. They don't care who they step on as long as they're moving up. Well, that's the way of the world. Well, as believers, our, our life should be very different. Let me read you. Uh, so anyhow, so foolish people live by the power of the flesh and evil people live out of the power of the enemy or the uh, devil. Or you could say it this way. They live out of the power of the demonic. You can deny it all day long, but there is evil. And people are influenced. Sometimes even we are influenced. You know, I mean, and we, that's why it's so important that, I mean, just kind of practically speaking. Like when, when your emotions get ramped up, you ought to pray before you speak. Because I don't want to be the mouthpiece of, of Satan. So before I say anything to anybody else, especially when I get upset. When I'm ready to... Say my peace. I need to say my peace to the Lord. And submit my tongue to him first. It's amazing. Doesn't necessarily mean that you still won't be upset. But Holy Spirit, I need you right now. So I'm going to pray about this before I say anything. Why? Because I don't want to be the devil's mouthpiece. Words have power. They are creative. They are destructive. So I want to be careful. I want to, I want to walk in wisdom. Well, Proverbs says that even a fool looks wise when he what? Keeps his mouth shut. <laughs> right? So, I mean, you know, so we, we want to be careful. So let me read you a couple of verses um, in Proverbs that talk about an evil person. Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 12. It says that wisdom will save you from evil people. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those whose words are twisted. It'll save you from those whose words are twisted. In other words, they're saying one thing, but they mean something else. He says, these men turn from the right way to walk down dark paths. They take pleasure in doing wrong. That's evil. Take pleasure in doing what is wrong. They enjoy the twisted ways of evil. Their actions are crooked and their ways are wrong. Now, I just want to highlight a few words here. So about concerning evil people. Twisted, dark, crooked. I mean, this is the description of an evil person. And yet here it says that wisdom will save you from an evil person. Wisdom will save you from an evil person. But he says they take pleasure in doing what's wrong. They take pleasure when somebody else falls. The, the antithesis, the opposite of that is what? Is love, which is what? That, that love always what rejoices when right and truth prevail. But it doesn't gloat when somebody else falls. Well, they got what they had coming. That's an evil thought. That does not line up with Scripture. I mean, because think about this. Because, I mean, look, that's a very natural thought to have. Jesus hanging on the cross with people spitting, cussing, and throwing things at him. Said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's love. Well, that was absolutely evil what they were doing. They were executing an innocent person. And yet, even in that, Christ was filled with compassion to the point that he said, Father, don't keep this against them. You know, especially when people wrong us. Well, they got what they had coming. About time. 
My prayers have been answered. Praise the Lord, you know. No, I mean, that's not the heart of God. Now, here's the thing. You will reap what you sow. So people who sow bad seeds, they're going to get a bad harvest. I don't have to pray for their bad harvest to come in. It's coming. It's a fact. So I don't need to worry about when people do bad things or or try to do things that that would harm me. They've sown a seed. Now I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to love them, but I'm not signing up to get hurt again. You know, and so here's another verse, Proverbs 21, verse 10. He says, evil people desire evil. It says their neighbors get no mercy from them. In other words, it doesn't matter how close you are to an evil person. They're going to hurt you. Family, neighbor, friend, co-worker, best friend, known you since we were kids. Doesn't matter. An evil person has evil desires. Proverbs 24, verse, starting in verse 1, it says, Don't envy evil people. Don't be jealous of them or desire their company. I thought we were supposed to love everybody. We are, but that means I have to hang out with them. It says, Don't desire their company, for their hearts plot violence, and their words always stir up trouble. It says, A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Says though, or through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious uh, riches and valuables. Verse five, which I just had, it says the wise are mightier than a, than the strong, and those with knowledge grow uh, stronger and stronger. So don't be jealous of when it seems like people who are doing things wrong seem to be winning. I mean, I know I'm the only person that ever thinks like this is. You know, they don't do anything right. They're not living for God. They're not even trying to live for God. And it seems like the blessings are in their life. And it seems like everything's just hunky-dory. Harvest will come. It's not my job to bring it about. My job is to walk in the light and the wisdom of God that I have. I got enough troubles in my own life. I don't need to worry about everybody else's troubles. I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to watch the goodness of God. Because here's one of the things that you cannot measure. Is that when somebody is walking in violation of the word of God, you have no idea what's actually going on in their heart. When they have all their toys, they might have their big house, they might have their, their life that looks great on Facebook. But when they lay in bed at night, it's empty. It's empty. Well, I would, let me say it this way. I would rather have less and have a full heart than I would to have a lot and have an empty heart. So don't get so caught up on what you have, don't have, whatever it may be. Look inside. Why? Because that's what actually matters. That's the real value. That's the real you. All that other stuff is temporary. And so we have to to be wise. Just as it says here is that wisdom will save you from an evil person. Now, as I said earlier, it's not that people are wise. It's like not, I mean, we made a wise decision when we said, I believe that Jesus is the Savior. I I receive it. That's a wise decision. But how many of you know that when I made that decision, when you made that decision, there was a whole lot of foolishness still hanging around. And there was a whole lot of evil still hanging around in my thoughts. So it's not just that people necessarily are good, bad, or ugly. Hence the title. It's that we have good thoughts, we have bad thoughts, 
And we have evil thoughts. And so does everybody else. And so we want to be careful. And so, uh, you know, with evil people, you've got to protect yourself. Now, I know that seems selfish. I realize that. But you also want to protect those around you. You have to. You have to take care of, of your own heart. Because what? Foolish people, and we talked about this last week, will unintentionally cause you pain. They will hurt you and be like, I'm sorry, I would have never done that if I had known that it was going to affect you in that way. Well, great, but I'm still hurt. <laughs> like, like, I mean, okay, I know that you didn't do it maliciously. Here's the difference between a foolish person and an evil person. An evil person hurts you and says, that's what I wanted. That was my intention. Yeah, I, I said something to the boss to discredit you so that I could get that promotion. So that way they would pass, so that way, you know... Maybe you trusted somebody and you talked to them and you maybe were honest with them and they used that for their own gain. Yes. That's evil. I mean, it is. Yes. As opposed to just doing your job and letting your work speak for itself, you have to resort to other methods, other manners. And so that was their intention. They intend to harm you. That's their goal. Yes. Now they, you know, and they may not even be aware of what they're necessarily doing. But what they were was they became a puppet for the enemy. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. One translation says it this way, is that Christ came so that we could have life to the full. The Amplified says it this way, the super abundant life. That's why Christ came. But yet, so we have these three groups of people. That we have to look at. And so I've shared with you over the last couple of weeks with a wise person. Especially when you're talking about relating with a wise person. If you come in contact with somebody who is wise in an area of your life. That you may be foolish or maybe even evil. You need to lean into them. Talk to them. Ask them questions. So you give more time. More energy. More resources. If you're dealing with somebody. Who maybe they just don't know any better. How do you deal with them? You invest time in them. You are who you are because somebody invested in you. You didn't get here today by yourself. I didn't get here today by myself. So I need to do for others what's been done for me. If I find somebody who's wise, who is just ignorant in the sense of they just don't know, I'm going to give them resources. Like let me just, let me just give you an example of this the beginning of the year I did what from the church I gave you a book I invested in you because I want you to be wise a wise person would take the book and read it a foolish person will just set it on the shelf and not listen you know why because you invest in wise people Why? Because they will take the resources, they will grow, they will become more of who God wants them to be, and they will be better for it. So I'm going to lean into those relationships. A foolish person, you do this. So this is how you handle a foolish person. You give consequences and boundaries. Quit being their bailout policy. Consequences and boundaries. You give limits. You know, so I'll give you a couple examples of this. I won't give you money until you get a job. I won't uh, help you until you take the first step. You know, because of the years of dealing with people, I deal with problems all the time. People call, they have problems. It's very rarely do I get people that call and say, hey, everything's great. Just want to just let you know everything's good. No, usually it's, 
hey, my family member's in the hospital. There's something going on in my marriage. My kids are going crazy. There's all these things going on. It's just part of, part of what I'm called to do, right? But one of the things that I have just through time, because used to, I tried to fix everybody. I just thought, man, they're calling me. I better have an answer. No, my job is to point you to Jesus. Your job is to point people to Jesus, not fix all their problems. And if they refuse to go to Jesus, then they can deal with the weight of their own consequences. And I'll show you this here in a moment from Scripture because you're like, I don't know about all this. I'm going to give you a New Testament example of this. So, but the other thing is, is that even in counseling with people and in talking with people, many times I'll say, okay, what's your next step? Like before I wrap up, what's the next step? What do we need to do? Like what's your responsibility? And until you do that, I'm not doing anything. I'll pray for you. Hey, I need to call and talk again. Did you do that first step? No. You do that and call me. Why? Because it would be foolish on my part to keep having the same conversation over and over and over. And why do I do that? Because I've had a lot of those foolish conversations over and over and over. And then I get wore out and I'm like, I am so tired of dealing with this person. If they just did what I told them to do. And it's not because I'm wise, necessarily. I do have some experience. But many times, it, this is what I have found. Most time, if you just let people talk, they'll figure it out for themselves. Most time, we know what to do. We just need somebody else to go, mm-hmm. Sounds good to me. I mean, that's the truth. So we want to point people to Jesus. So with a foolish person, you give consequences. You give boundaries. You know, whatever it may be. With an evil person, you give them nothing. Zip. You distance them. You're cordial. You will pray from a distance. You do not invite them into your house. You do not set up a room for them to come live in your mind. I'm not going to listen to your conversation. I'm not going to have water cooler talk. If I have to go to somewhere else by myself, that's fine. But you give them nothing. Why? Because they are looking for somebody. Now, many times, they aren't even aware. They are being motivated by the enemy. They're being influenced by the enemy and not even aware of it. So, you you know, and here's the thing. And I've said this in the weeks prior, but I'm going to keep saying it because this has just become something that I've realized more and more and more in my own life and in my own heart is that if I'm not discerning, my good heart will betray me. If I'm not discerning your good heart, because guess what? I believe you have a good heart. You really want the best for other people. But if you're not discerning, you will keep investing in foolish and in evil situations and people and circumstances and ways of thinking that are not going to change. So you have to be discerning. God, is this a relationship that I need to be investing in? You know, like, and I'll give you an example of what I mean by evil. You know, I'm like, I just had a guy who came, had to do some service on my air conditioner at my house. I'm not trying to build a friendship with that guy. I have a professional relationship with him. You come, you do the service. I'm going to write you a check. See you later. That's how you handle an evil person. You come in, you do your thing, and you get out. That's how you handle an evil person. Now, the guy who does my AC work is a Christian. He's not an evil person. But... But you see what I'm saying? It's a professional relationship. I go to a restaurant, you get my food, I pay for it, and I leave. 
I'm not inviting you to come home with me. So that's how you handle the deal with evil people. So here's, and so you have to be careful is, and that your, your heart, your good heart will truly betray you. And people will take advantage of your good heart. They will. They will absolutely take care or take advantage of it. They want you, you know, I've used this statement the last couple weeks. They want you to pay their dumb tax. They want you to take care of, of their consequences. Stop doing that. I mean, unless you feel led of the Lord. Like, well, how do I know if I'm led of the Lord? You will know. Like, you, you need to be like, that's undeniable. And the Lord will lead you in those things. So here's how you distinguish between a foolish person and an evil person. A foolish person has problems. A foolish person will have problems. You ever had one of these people? It's just every day it's something like the names, faces, circumstances change. But they always got problems. A foolish person just has problems. Why? Because that's the product of a foolish life. An evil person has patterns. It's the same things over and over and over. Give you an example of this. I have a, a guy that I was friends with for a number of years. And it was amazing to me. He would move jobs, move industries. There was always problems, and it was never him. And I'm like, you've moved cities and states, and like not even in the same field. He sold insurance at one time, and then he was doing something else. And he was doing this. And it's like, but it was always somebody else. Somebody always done him wrong. He was always the victim. He was never at fault. Now, I'm not denying that there are victims. There are victims because there are evil. There is evil. That's the reason that there's evil. If you had no evil, you wouldn't have victims. So I'm not denying that either. But I also recognize is that what I have been called, you have been called to what? To live victoriously. Which means I can rise above the incident and move beyond the moment of the pain that I don't have to be identified by the way I was wronged. And yet, but... So how, but the best thing is to avoid that before it comes. Well, you're going to have to learn how to deal with some evil people. You're going to have to learn to limit their access to you. You know, I've shared this over the last couple of weeks or well, I said, week one, actually, I said this, is that many times evil people or people who are influenced by evil are many times hurting people. Yeah. It's not that they're just evil. It's that they're hurting you ever heard the expression of, uh, you know, a wounded dog will bite? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, my dog that me and Derek had for a number of years, he was a very loyal dog, very good. I mean, all these things to me, you came over, you'd probably think he was crazy, but he was a good dog to me. But one time he had hurt his hip. Something had happened. I don't remember what happened, but he hurt his hip. Well, he bit me because I was trying to see his motion. I, I grabbed his back leg where he was hurt and he bit me. Well, he was a very loyal dog. He, he didn't want to hurt me, but he was hurt. And because he was hurt, he bit. Many times evil people are that exactly. They are hurt, therefore they bite. You know, and so, I mean, we even have sayings along this line. Is it hurting people? Hurt people. Misery loves company. Like, you know, I mean, we hear these statements. Well, there's a reason that it's a statement. There's a reason it's a saying. Because hurting people will hurt. Not because they just are mean-spirited necessarily, but because they need to be healed. And that's why we need to take evil people that are influenced by evil and we need to point them to Jesus. We need to get them to... We can't fix them, but He can. 
We need to get them in the presence of God. Why? Because we can't fix them, but he can. Because they're hurt. There are very few people that are just all out evil. And there are some. But they're rare. But most time people are being used and not realizing it. And so we have to come to the place of realizing that someone who is really being influenced from an evil standpoint is this. Is they're not beyond help, but they are beyond our help. I'll say that again. Somebody who is being influenced by the devil, they are not beyond help. They are beyond our ability to help them. You can pray for them. But at some point, you've got to back away. Why? Because you will begin to take on those characteristics. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good morals, good character. If you keep putting yourself in a place, I mean, that's why the Bible talks about don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Right? Why? Because it has consequences. There's, there's things that, that play out in our life through that. Yes. Now, let me give you an example of this scripturally. Now, I'm going to give you the backstory briefly, but Paul is addressing a church in Corinthian, or it's the church at Corinth. This comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, but I'm just going to read you verse 5 here in a moment, but let me tell you the story. So, Paul gets word that there's some evil going on in the church. This isn't foolishness. This is just straight up evil. A man is in a sexual relationship with his mother-in-law. That's the context. You can go read it. Verse 1, verse 2. This is actually what's happening. And Paul is saying, please tell me this isn't true. Like, just tell me this is not happening in this church. And so, you know, he even says, I can hardly believe. He says, this is something that even pagans wouldn't do. And a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. I guess stepmother, not mother-in-law. He said, yeah, either one's bad. It doesn't right. It's not one's better than the other. So, yeah. so, in our modern language, he's having an affair with his stepmother. And he's in the church. Paul says, he says, you should be so proud of yourselves, but you, he said, you are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And he says, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. Mm. That's a strong statement. We don't like to talk about those things. Now, there is biblical order in this, which I'm not even going to get into, but there is a way that this actually happens. But in verse 5, this is what I want you to hear. In verse 5, this is Paul's instructions to a church. Paul's instructions to believers. He says, you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful or his evil nature will be destroyed, but he himself will be saved on the day that Christ returns. Let me say it another way. Paul is saying, put this man out of your company, do not fellowship with him, and let him reap the rewards of his choices. Why? Because if you will let him reap the rewards of his choices, those consequences will come. He may repent and come back to Christ. But if you allow him to sit in your fellowship and say nothing, he will stay in his sin that could possibly cost him down the road. One translation says it this way. It's to turn him over for the destruction of his flesh. Well, where, who lives in the area of the flesh realm? The foolish. But yet what this man is doing is not just foolish. It's a step beyond that. And so, let me give you another example. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Many times people take this verse and they, I believe, they don't take it out of context, but they make it say something that it doesn't say. But it says, in a, uh, to you who are willing to listen. So if you've got ears and you're paying attention, he says, love your enemies. Well, the New Testament word for evil would be enemies. You can kind of input that many places. He says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And he says, pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. Now, that word hurt there means to mistreat, to insult, to slander, to use despitefully or to falsely accuse. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Notice he didn't say, ask them to come home. Become best friends with them. What's the instruction? Pray. It doesn't mean you need to go and make the wrong right or convince them why they're wrong says you just pray for them. Why? Because when you pray, what you're doing is insulating your own heart. They've sown a seed. Seeds have a way of coming back, unfortunately. Whether good or bad, bad seeds come back. So he goes on, and this is where people, I think, sometimes uh, lose sight maybe of really what's, what's they're, they're making it say what it doesn't say in verse 29. It says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek as well. And if someone demands your coat, give them your shirt also. I believe that this is talking about in that moment. Yeah. It doesn't mean that, hey, I'm going to let somebody take advantage of me. I'm going to leave and then I'm going to come back and say, hey, you want to take advantage of me again? I'm here. Go ahead. Glory to God. Yeah. That doesn't bring glory to God. He said, when somebody uses you spitefully, you pray for them. That's the limit of Scripture. I should never get to the place where I'm just like, I I will not pray for that person. Here's what I would tell you. If you have that in your heart, you need to pray for them until it's no longer a burden. Why? Because then you know you have forgiveness in your heart. And that's what's important. You know, and and so, but the Bible doesn't tell us to keep putting ourselves in harm's way. Someone may harm you, may hurt you. They may be abusive in some way. Because here's, here's just the facts. Anytime that we stay relationally connected to somebody who is being influenced by evil, it will become abusive to you. Absolutely. Whether it be verbally, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, it will be abusive. How many of you know that God's plan for you is to never be abused? Ever. That is not God's best. That is the plan of the enemy. And yet we can keep putting ourselves in the firing line to be hurt and to be abused time after time after time again. And we're praying for God to deliver us. And yet God is saying, use wisdom. I mean, if every time I walk up to somebody, they punch me in the face, eventually I'm going to stop walking up to them. If every time I walk up to the same person, they're insulting me, eventually I'm going to say, I just don't need to talk to them. I don't need to keep putting myself in that place. If every time I get around that person, they keep putting me down, telling me what I'm not. Hey, that's not the work of God in my life. If you're constantly telling me what I can't do, what I, what I can't measure up to, well, that's funny because the Bible says God can do anything in me and through me. He's a God of the impossible, which means I have no limitation with him 
so I don't need to be around people who constantly are putting me down or making me second guess or, or I want to be around people who what are encouraging me, who are strengthening me, who are, who are really causing me and giving me spiritual energy, not draining me. That's the people I need to be around. That's the people you need to be around. So I don't want to put myself in harm's way. Because it will always become abusive. Let me give you another example of this that isn't so obvious maybe. And this typically has to do with men. uh, In this particular example. But it does play out in women as well. And this one may hit a little closer to home. Literally. That sometimes men that we can be very overbearing. We can be very heavy with our wives or our kids. Just heavy-handed. I control this. You're right. And control is not godly. Because I'm the man of the house. Because we have this understanding. We dominate. Because of our personality. If you have... Let me... Get into a little marriage count. If you have to dominate your wife or her to give way to you, then you're not loving her the way Christ loves the church. And that's why you have to dominate. If you would love your wife the way that Christ loves the church, she would sign off on anything that was in your heart to do. So anytime, and now look, women can be this way too. But typically, it's more on the man's side. So what happens is is that we harm our own families with the weight of our words and our actions. The only proper response in that situation is silence. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because at least I won't get a rebuke. At least I won't get the... That's abuse. See, this isn't the heart of God. I I mean, I've unfortunately had the opportunity to be around families, whole families, where nobody talked. The dad talked and everybody else listened. And I could see it on his wife's face. I could see it on his kids' faces. Everybody walked in fear of him. They didn't have to tell me what was going on in the house. I knew it. Now, I may not know exactly. Is it with his words? Is he doing things? I don't know, but I can see the fruit. And you walk in their house and it's just tense. I mean... We went there for dinner. This is happened many years ago. I was a youth pastor at the time, so there's no, nobody here. But we went to his house, and he began to question me about things in my life. And my thought is, is who do you think you are? Like, I ain't your kid. You're picking the wrong fight. I mean, and very personal things. Like, I'll, I'll just, I'll tell you what the statement was, and you'll understand. He said, when are you going to give Dara what she really wants and get her pregnant? Somebody actually said that to me, to my face. You, th- you think he's trying to dominate something? And my response was, whenever we decide. I didn't say when I decide. When we decide. That's evil. Now, this is somebody who was saved, went to church. I mean, you know, I typically respond in a certain way when somebody pushes like that. And my response is to bow up and push back. I'm like, hey. But I'm not saying that's necessarily right. That's just the way I respond. But, the, I mean, that was actually, well, that's a, I mean, 
First off, you ain't my dad. Second off, that ain't none of your business. This is between me and my wife, and we'll make that decision when we believe it's the right time and the Lord says, okay. And thirdly, it's none of your daggum business. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, why? But we see that. And people who are dominating like that. I mean, you, you may work for somebody who is dominating. Well, you know, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus didn't come in dominating stuff. He came about doing good. I mean, Jesus didn't have to. Why? Because his life spoke for itself. And so you, you have to realize is that how do you deal with somebody like that? You keep them their access. Now, it may be your boss. We've got to have a certain amount of conversations, but we're going to keep it about business. Yeah. Give you another example in my own life. I had a job one time with an employer that was constantly berating and insulting. I mean, constantly. That was their, but it was the way they used to what? To get stuff done. Told me how stupid I was, all these kinds of things, just constantly. Finally, one day I just had enough. I just did. I knew I was a good employee. I knew I worked hard. I knew I did my job. And I just got to, which I, I mean, honestly, I was too young and ignorant to probably know any better. But it finally got to a point which it was just what they said that just, I was like, that's it. Because they called me lazy. I said, like, you can call me a lot of things. You can't call me lazy. And I stood up and I said, if you ever insult me again, I'll walk out the door and I will never come back. And in this particular environment, there were people over them. And I was like, and I will let them know. And I'm going to tell them everything you've ever said about me. And they started backtracking real quick. Because they had chased everybody off that worked for them. And anybody who was threatening to them, they just ran them off. It was amazing how quickly the conversation turned. When I said, hey, that's not right. I mean, I was angry in the moment. I'd raised my voice quite a bit. Why? Because it wasn't right. Well, from that moment forward... Arms distance, arms distance. Nope, we're not talking about that. That's none of your business. And I would say that. Nope. We can talk about our business. What do you need me to do? You can write it on a piece. I never have to have a conversation with you as far as I'm concerned. I told him that. I said, you can give me what you want from me on a piece of paper, and I will never step in your office again. They begged me to stay. I said, nope. And I left shortly thereafter. I mean, I put in my resignation, said, hey, this is my time frame, so forth. I did it right even in leaving, but I'm not going to keep myself in the place to get hurt. I'm just not going to do it. Now, here's the good news to that whole thing. The Lord healed me. Even though I had, was in that situation, the Lord healed me. And the Lord will heal you. Absolutely. So don't think that just because you have a wound that, well, this is just the way I am. No, the Lord wants to heal you. And he will. But you have to be careful with people who, have, who just have an evil intention. You just have to be careful. So over these last few weeks, we've been talking about this. Relationally speaking with different people. How do you deal with them? How do you approach them? And this is why it matters. Why? <clears throat> because I said this, I think it was in week one. Is that the quality of your relationships is directly related to your quality of life. If you have good relationships, you're going to have a good life. 
If you have bad relationships, you're going to have a bad life. You just are. There's no way around it. The quality of your life is directly tied to the quality of your relationships. There's no way to separate them. And so when you're dealing with people and walking with people and and just living your life, I want you to what? Be discerning. I want you to have good relationships that, that add blessing to your life, not ones that take from your life, not ones that rob from your life, not ones that steal your spiritual life and your spiritual joy and your spiritual peace in your heart. You want to be discerning and realize this person is stealing my peace. Therefore, I'm going to limit your access. I'm not going to let you call and dump on me for an hour. You got a few minutes. Oh, sorry, man. I got to go. Love you. Talk to you later. But I hit my 10 minutes. If you want to have a normal conversation. I mean, let me, let me just give you a, a relational tip here. You ever talk to somebody that never asks you anything about you? They are not your friend. All they want to do is to talk about them, talk about what they got going on. And if they never even ask you a word about you, that's a, that's a relationship you really need to, to evaluate. Why? Because they're just dumping. They're not adding anything to your life. And that relationship may need to come to an end. You may have to put them real far off. Hey, I'll pray for you. But I can't stay connected to you anymore. And I know that's hard, and I've had to do it. It's never easy for me. I'm just, that's just my personality. I'm very loyal. So anytime that I know that I've got to either bring it in or even just push a relationship a little further away. And look, and, and here's the thing, and this one's even harder for me, I think, is that when I've been really close to somebody, and it's not that I just have to do away with them, but I just got to push them away. Yeah. I, got to, I got to create some distance. It's really hard because we have really good memories and great times and great things going on. But there comes a point where it just says, hey, I, I've got I to distance. Because, man, I, God's got something for me to do. And I just know that, that you're going to limit me in that. I wouldn't tell them that. But you know that in your heart. And you've got to create some, some distance. So, in wrapping up this. With a wise person, you lean in. You give more time, more energy, more resources. With a foolish person, you give consequences and limits. With an evil person, you give them nothing. 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 Like, oh, I thought we were supposed to be good and we love every- We do love everybody. We pray for everybody. But I'm not going to let you hurt me. We have to be discerning. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and you need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit to help you navigate relational waters. Okay? Because He will. Don't trust them. Don't, don't share your, your, really your heart with them. Why? Because they... They're going to use it against you. Don't be naive and just tell all your business. (laughs) Doesn't mean that we need to be secretive. That's not what I'm saying. We need to be open and honest with the right people. With the right people. We shouldn't live secretive lives. That's just not good. But we do need to be open and honest with the right people. People that are wise, that can help us. People who care for us. People who are truly uh, in it for our best. Those are the people to trust. And if you can limit evil people into a degree, to some degree, even foolish people in your life, your quality of life will increase. The joy and the peace in your heart will increase. Your day-to-day life experience will get better because you're removing the negative from your life. 
And that's God's desire. And that's my heart for you. Because I want you to walk in really uh, the best relationships that God would have for you. So that's why I've been sharing this over these last few weeks.